Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Lowe Tolhurst, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. So you do three interviews a week. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with. It's the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org. Consequence and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thanks as always for making your way here, checking out the episodes, the series. Please hit that subscribe button. So you can keep up with all the interviews that I put out every single week. It's a new one every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Great way to keep up with your favorite artists. Discover some new ones as well. iTunes and Apple Podcasts at Spotify, Podchaser, WFPK.org, NPR.org, or of course YouTube for the video versions. I'm Kyle Mayer. Today, my guest, Martin Fry of the band ABC. We're going to be talking about the 40th anniversary of their album, The Lexicon of Love, an album cited by plenty of critics as one of the greatest pop albums of all time. Uh, Martin and I are going to get into, uh, well, he's going to talk about the uh, the popularity cycles of an artist. Uh, his love of 70s punk bands, especially the Sex Pistols. We'll get into the, uh, the new documentary as well. Uh, the upcoming box set for the Lexicon of Love that, uh, that compiles and celebrates that record. Uh, we're also going to go back to 1997 to revisit the 25th anniversary for uh, the Skyscraping LP. We'll hear about their cover of Radiohead's High and Dry that came out a few years ago and his appreciation uh, for one of both of our, our mutual favorite artists of all time, David Bowie and Bowie's uh, musical characters. But it's mostly about the lexicon of love. 40th anniversary, it's Kyle Meredith with ABC. Greetings from London today. <laughs> How is it over there? Yeah. Yeah, it's all good. Just recovering after the Platinum Jubilee. There was a five-day holiday last week to celebrate 70 years of the Queen, so... Uh, London's rocking now, yeah. People are just kind of nursing the hangovers, I think. Yeah. A five-day holiday. I mean, we'll we'll look for a celebration for anything, but uh, that's not a bad one to have right there. I gotta I gotta imagine that was kind of exciting to be around. Uh, once every seventy years, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cannot wait till the next comet comes by, and that's uh... yeah, exactly. <laughs> well. Uh, that's not the only anniversary, is it? We're also talking about uh, forty years ago, as it were. Yeah. That's the uh, that's the 40th. This is the 40th anniversary of the Lexicon of Love. You're going to be taking it out on tour. Uh, how, how's this feeling? I mean, obviously, it comes to a point. I think somebody said, um, like, you get an album like this, you end up having to celebrate it like every five years after a while. The way I see it is everybody has a birthday someday, don't they? Every single day of the year. So 
But um, since we kind of, ABC formed way back when in the early 80s, 1982. So four decades has gone by, believe it or not, since our debut album, The Lexicon of Love. Um, so somebody suggested it would be a good idea to celebrate, yeah. Uh, in the UK, we're just starting a tour, uh, an orchestration tour. Uh, the band, the or South Bank Symphonia Orchestra and Dudley conducting, uh, is quite an extravagant show. When we come to play in uh, North America, and surrounding areas, uh, we strip it back to the band. But within the band, I get the chance to play a lot of songs from the Lexicon of Love, our album, that came out all those years ago, and a whole bunch of other stuff. But uh, on the Lexicon of Love, there was a Look of Love, Poison Arrow, All of My Heart, various songs, yeah. So can you tell me where 10, year, uh, ten years goes by? 15 minutes is a long time in uh, the world of rock and roll. So can you tell me where four decades has gone? Right, right. Well... I know it's been well celebrated for that entire four decades too. I mean, this is uh, looked at as geez, one of the greatest albums of all time. That's very kind of you to say that, but uh, lots of albums have been made. <laughs> um, the funny thing is in music though, um, if you kind of been there for more than 10 minutes, you kind of go in cycles. You know, I remember in the nineties, I reached a point after a pretty busy 1980s, people go, what, are you still here? But then a couple of weeks goes by and they go, you're a legend, you're a national treasure, you know, and uh, you get off. I mean, ask Bruce Springsteen or the Rolling Stones. I'm sure they'd say the same thing. Now, the 10-year, the I've noticed that with a lot of bands, um, with most bands, the cycles that you're talking about, uh, there, there is the the first 10 years. You, you know, you can have all the success, but once you make it to the 10-year 10, the 10, the 10 mark, nobody wants you. But if you make it to the 20-year mark, you're great. Yeah, you get to climb the mountain again, and you redevelop your skills. And obviously, in our case... Yeah, we had a whole bunch of MTV hits through the 1980s. It goes quiet for a while, but then you uh, get out on the road and do various things. I'm making, still making new records. Made an album called Lexicon of Love 2 about five years ago, but um, the emphasis is on uh, getting out there and performing live, I think. If you can stagger along through 10 years, yeah, anybody needs a, you know, they, they deserve a medal for that. Because believe me, when we started, I never thought we'd last more than 45 seconds. <laughs> Getting away with it, yeah, definitely. It, it's it's going to be interesting though because you know you're you're a fan uh, of music. Yeah, you know what? You, when you think of the greatest albums of all time, certain albums will come to mind to you, and and to have a, a large population say that about a piece of art that you've done. I mean, and you've done great albums throughout your career, but when when you you know they pinpoint something like that, they're putting you in the same league as the ones maybe that you conjure up. Does that? give you a different feeling towards that record itself? Not really, in a funny kind of way, no, but it's kind of a total honor and it's a great privilege to get on stage, you know, seriously. I, I'm joking earlier about, you know, just kind of winging it uh, and kind of chancing my way through 40 years. It is a great honor to stand on stage and for, you know, to be able to sing a song you've written all those years ago and to hear the audience singing it back at you, that's a magical feeling. Um, I think this, I mean, for me, a classic album is something like Sly Stone, uh, there's a riot going on, or Roxy Music Avalon, maybe, or Ziggy Stardust, or Marvin Gaye, What's Going On, you know, everybody has their own particular favorite. But I think um, for something to become a classic, it's all about the audience, they decide. Because as soon as you finish a piece of work, it becomes public property, I think, yeah, definitely. So it's got nothing really to do with me, you know, so I don't, I don't kind of sit at home and look at my reflection in the platinum <laughs> records. Uh, I kind of believe that it's a great honor to be able to carry that torch forward, you know. So, because of many, many albums have been made through the, through the last 50 years, obviously, or, or even longer. 
but it's it's a wonderful feeling to know that people still remember the music and um, and value it, you know, and, and a whole new generation comes along and checks out what you're doing. And then we become part of um, part of an era, I suppose, you know, people rep you represent, you know, just as Dylan represents the 60s with blowing in the wind or something, you know, um, Duran Duran ABC represent the kind of 1980s, I suppose, yeah, early 80s, that all that kind of, that era of um, ambition and uh, unbridled kind of belief in the future, which is very different to now. But uh, yeah, a more flamboyant time. It's interesting thinking about, you know, especially when you were coming out, when, when you were doing, when you all were developing the sound of ABC, as you're saying that, and in the early 80s, because you, for all look at history, you sort of went against the grain of, of what was happening right then. I mean, there were, it seemed like there were a lot of people wanting to be trailblazers, which was great because I don't feel like that happens as much these days. There's a lot of a lot more feels like follow the leader happening. But but when you came out, you did. It seemed like did you was was that really as conscious as it seems that you all went the other direction? I mean, you weren't a post punk band in England at the time when that was so much of a thing. I love the Sex Pistols and the Clash, Susie and the Banshees, the punk bands. I used to go and see them all, when, you know, as a teenager. Subway Sack, Buzzcocks, you know, new Johnny Thunders and the Heartbreakers were an incredible band, all these punk bands. But when it came to kind of work your own band and form a band uh, as a much as a younger generation, we kind of wanted to bring in a lot of different things. Uh, and in a funny kind of way, in Sheffield, north of England, we'd go and play our set and I'd be wearing my sparkly tuxedo. You know, it was the kind of opposite of, of the kind of post-punk scene, you know. So you'd wind people up. I've always thought there's a great value in irritating an audience and kind of seeing people kind of flip, you know, and in response. And I've always loved artists like, like Dylan, you know. What about when Dylan went electric? You know, they say people threw stuff at the stage, you know, how wrong they were. Or um, for me, I love the New York Dolls or the Velvet Underground, Bowie and Roxy. Those acts came along and people didn't really like them at first, you know, but they were, the, they, they were kind of a, a taste of what the future was about. They were trailblazers, uh, Iggy Pop, someone like that, you know, the Stooges, loads of stuff. And uh, Steely Dan, I love, but um, I kind of like the trailblazers, yeah. And in a way, uh, we've always wanted to kind of sidestep what was going you can't just follow a trend it's not like working in a bank or joining the army when you form a band it, you, you don't have to follow any rules it's better not to follow any rules you know so i think on the one hand that served me well with abc we came along in our gold army suits our tuxedos singing our romantic songs to a really punky audience who came around you know kind of thought this is the next building block in, in music but I think that's every generation's birthright. I think today, as we speak in 2022, there's an act, there are acts out there that are doing exactly the same thing, you know, facing the flack and moving, you know, creating something uh, that's a little bit different. I think that's really important to try and be original. I definitely, I still believe that all these years on. However, it sometimes means that those qualities that make you strong are kind of also a bit self-destructive. You know what I mean? You kind of, you know, you build that success up and that following and you can, you can knock it down again. But we've always tried to make records that were kind of different each time, you know. I mean, someone like Prince was an incredible innovator, you know. He's got his kind of unique style across all of his music. But he'd come along, you never quite knew what to expect next. People don't really work in that way now, you know, it's different. 
Today, it's all about kind of building the perfect car. It's like you're Elon Musk and you're in a band. You know, they're taking elements and trying to build something uh, musically that works. I hope that makes sense. It's, it's interesting because, you know, basically what you just said was you did the punk thing. I mean, you went up against punk crowds yeah. by being exactly what they stood for against going against the grain against themselves. I know I'm not the first one to say that, but that's, that's so funny when you kind of wrap it around like that. Seriously, I love John Lydon and Public Image, and, but, but the original, when I'd go and see the Pistols, as I say, The Clash, Slaughter and the Dogs, or uh, Buzzcocks in Manchester, um, all the bands were kind of about that anarchy, that self-freedom, you know, freedom of expression. And um, it kind of sticks with you all through your life. It's a funny thing, kind of thing. Yeah, and I kind of thought, well, there's no way I'm going to form a band and try and be like Lydon and, and Steve Jones and Glenn Matlock and Paul Jones, you know, the Pistols. It, it would be pointless. Just as in Sheffield, there was a band that Def Leppard were there. They were, they were incredible, you know, before they were, you saw them play bars and stuff. Same with the Human League, who were a very defined sort of electronic synthesizer band. And you kind of knew you had to beat, beat your own rhythm, find your own path. I think I sound like a really old guy giving advice to a younger audience. And I hope that's not the case. I don't think it's coming across like advice that. Advice is a complete waste of time. And two, I know nothing. <laughs> uh, I haven't seen it yet, but have you watched the new uh, Pistols film yet? Honey, um, I was, a friend of mine, Mike Pickering, I met him this morning and he was saying he'd seen it. We were discussing it this morning. I've not seen it yet, no. But he's pretty good. I mean, Danny Boyle knows how to entertain the public, doesn't he? We like train spotting and, you know, countless other movies he's made. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that. I think everybody likes it so far except Leiden. There's a Madonna, yeah, well, Leiden. <laughs> well, you know, it's his life. You know, I guess he's every right not to like it. Sure. Yeah, sure. Of course, you know, he was there. You know, he was there, mate, on it. Uh, there's going to be a Madonna biopic. Uh, uh, and I want to see the Elvis film. This, everybody's talking about this Elvis movie. They say it's really good, so I'm interested. Rocket Man was okay, you know, and kind of the Queen movie, but there is a vogue now for biopics, isn't there? Obviously, who didn't put that all these years? Where's the ABC movie? That's the what's where it is. Uh, it's the Martin Fry movie. Yeah, get Sean Bean in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he can play me. He's from Sheffield. Yeah, he's craggy, right? Me. Yeah, get him. In. He's in. He's in Snowpiercer on on uh, Netflix. I guess. I hope we're getting the same Netflix that you're getting. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe you could take a break from Snowpiercer and come and do the ABC story. Yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to think who else I'd cast. Actually, that's quite a daunting idea of uh, who you'd cast. Who would you cast? Right, movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't get the same luxury. No one wants to watch the uh, the story about the do it guy doing uh, Zoom interviews. Uh, you know, three, they, three, they, four they, times they, a week. There'll be a, there'll be a, there'll be a script soon. Yeah, <laughs> your story. Everybody will have a bio. Andy Warhol said everybody will be famous. Uh, you know the next 15 minutes well i say everybody's gonna have a, a netflix documentary in the next 15 years yeah yeah that's my prophecy shout out to uh, astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples uh, I, I live in kentucky in the midwest and allergies yeah i suffer when i say i suffer from allergies i suffer from allergies and around here everyone i know deals with allergies to some degree. And for a long time, I thought it was just something that I would have to live with, which is a real problem um, for anything, but especially when you're a radio host. It affects my voice, it affects my mood, it affects everything. And I feel like I've tried every, I've tried all the medicines. Some of them 
work better than others, but there's there's never a perfect one out there, especially because some of them take forever to actually work and some of them don't work at all. And then there's Astapro, the fastest solution to nasal allergy symptoms. It's what I use now and it's definitely changed my life. Astapro is the first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24 hour over the counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Uh, Astapro is the first and only 24 hour steroid free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose and sneezing. With all the pollen in the air, with all the dust around the the corners of the house, uh, even with uh, the allergies I have from my dog, Astapro has been the nasal spray that has helped me with all of my allergies. And it can help you too. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. That's A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Well, I, I do want to ask a, a little bit more about uh, about the anniversary and everything. Um, you know, the big singles that you were mentioning. Uh, all of my heart, I think these days... That's the one I go to mostly. That's the one if you know if, I, if I'm just punching in or something on the record, like that's I don't know what it is. That one sits really still in that that great pocket spot for me all these years later. Uh, just what what comes to mind with that one? I, I don't really have a specific question, but I would love to hear about it. Uh, all of my heart. It was a big tune in actually in uh, yeah the UK and Europe, perhaps less so in America. I don't think it came out as a single, but uh, every band has to have a kind of tearjerker song. You know, when they climb on stage, I guess you too do one, don't they? That tune and uh, In Excess always had a kind of bit of a tearjerker tune. Every band has the moment, uh, you know, Prince had Purple Rain, didn't he? So we have All of My Heart, which is a kind of bittersweet song, a kind of emotional song. When I played it through the years, I look out into the audience and sometimes people are brushing away a tear. You know, it's kind of their, their own personal memories. Uh, uh, I, sh- I should say a tear of pleasure you know, not of pain, but uh, they're kind of like, wow, you know, like they're thinking back to incidents. And, like, and it's, it's a wonderful feeling to have an emotional song like that. It started off as a sort of uh, a country and Western sort of jam, and then we kind of put an orchestra on top of it. So it's kind of grown in size, but uh, originally. But um, it's quite a sort of romantic song. And I find there aren't that many romantic songs around now, are there? There are some, but it's good to have a romantic song in your set. Tears of Pleasure, that sounds like an ABC title right there. Yeah, right. yeah, maybe, yeah. <laughs> I've just got the same 12 words that I just kind of, yeah, regenerate. Yeah. I don't think most acts have, though, don't they? Bruce Springsteen does it, you know. Oh, sure. Car, Factory. Mary. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that in there. Yeah, yeah, why not? Yeah, why not? With the 40th anniversary, is uh, is there going to be a spotlight on, uh, on, on uh, Man Trap as well? 
Ah, uh, good question, actually. Yeah, um, a bit frustrating, really, because as I say, 40 years ago, uh, in 1982, we started out. Uh, the label Universal in Europe were putting together the uh, Atmos 5 mix. Stephen Wilson's done a, uh, an incredible Atmos 5 mix of the Lexington 11, and uh, we were putting out uh, Mantra, our film on Blu-ray, and uh, I'm sorry, what was your first? What was the question there about about? Yeah, is it going to be celebrated as well through all of the through all of this? You know, 40th anniversary uh, as well. Yeah. Uh, put all this uh, this whole bag of incredible things together, but it's coming out next March. And I said to them, well, you know, that means it's the 41st anniversary. But I've noticed that happens a lot. So yeah, there was a plan to put everything together from that period, yeah. But you know, though, Lexicon I Love wasn't, it was very, it, very popular in Europe and uh, the UK, but less popular in the USA, I think. Popular, but not, you know, mega, mega. In, in Europe, it was kind of, it, it took off, yeah. Well, and that, that's what I was uh, going to get to. Like, uh, like there's a box set though coming, right? I mean, what what all yeah. do you expect from the what what all is going to be in the box set? Uh, Blu-ray of uh, Man Trap, a film we made with Julian Temple, um, various live recordings, I think, and uh, an Atmos Five mix, which is uh, you know where you get the chance to see all the detail, the digital detail of the record, and various things. Yeah, yeah. but unfortunately. It's not out now, so it's out yeah, next March. Right, right. So 41st anniversary, yeah, right. That's... Yeah, yeah. 41st. So it means I, can, I don't get to retire. I'm going to go, I'm going to stagger along for at least one year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you start a new trend, the 41st anniversary trends. The hell with the round numbers. You, I'll be honest with you. I'm the kind of guy, I don't really celebrate birthdays. You know what I mean? I kind of, uh, some people love to have an enormous party, don't they? Each time. But I, I'm kind of... Some people go in the opposite direction. I'm one of those guys. Yeah, yeah. I go under the radar. So yeah, I only do it on the big ones. I like the big ones, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Uh, anything with the zero after it. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, this one doesn't have a zero, and I'm going to hit it anyway. And that's 25 years ago, 1997. Uh, skyscraping came out. Yeah. Which uh, in itself is a great record as well. It, it's you know as you've already mentioned. Every record was a moment for reinvention for ABC, which, you know, as a fan is something that I always loved. When you're in the 90s, when you're in 1997, and we're joking about what the 90s look, I mean, how hard is it to change people's perceptions? And who did you want to be on that record? Uh, with Skyscraping, uh, I got together with, uh, with Glenn Gregory, a guy from Heaven 17, a guy called Keith Lowndes. And that record came out. I mean, I realized in the 90s, I'd look around and the landscape was very different. You know, there's a point every artist, every act meets, uh, every band comes to where you're just out of sync with public taste. You know what I mean? And in order to kind of have any longevity, you have to kind of walk through that particular forest and come out the other side, basically. Yeah. And I think you'll, you know, you, you find most artists do that kind of thing. There's a period when it goes cold and then it gets hot again, you know? So... It's an interesting time. It, it really does test your resolve, you know, uh, to, when you think you're putting out records and people aren't really listening. Uh, but I think everybody goes through that uh, when I look back now. Uh, with Skyscraping, I kind of went to my record collection and thought I love like uh, Pistols, uh, Roxy, Bowie. And, and it was kind of like on that record, um, it was just a labor of love. We just, it was the only real time where I've just made a record completed it and then taken it into the label. Do you see what I mean? It was just kind of homemade uh, skyscraping, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I just remember 
grabbing my mountain bike with Glenn and Keith and just spending a whole summer uh, making that record, yeah. So it's a funny, it's not really, uh, there's a couple of nice songs on there, Light Years and Stranger Things, I guess. So it's kind of nice to drum, you know, grab a couple of those songs and put them in the set now. But um, that's where skyscraping came from. Yeah, it was kind of just a labour of love, basically. It's kind of, it's nice now with something like Spotify, where you get a chance to kind of put nine of your albums up and people get to hear the successes, the commercial successes, the failures, but there's a kind of line through everything which suggests, you know, what we're about. Um, so back then, uh, you put a record out and then walk away from it, but it's kind of nice to have a kind of back catalogue of kind of very mixed music, you know, uh, that, that, that's a kind of nice thing to have. Because I've noticed people check out a whole career now, don't they, with every act. Now, as a music nerd, that's uh, that's the best thing about streaming, as you're right. It, 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 it uh, levels the playing field of a discography is what it does. Yeah, I never thought that would happen because uh, back in the day when you make it, it was fiercely competitive. And if your record got to number three, you go, who's at number two? You know, you never took time to enjoy it. Ask anyone. That was how it was. You know, it's crazy, crazy. If, uh, if, if you ever feel like uh, pulling one from that Rolling Sevens, I think uh, I would love to see that one live these days. So just to, yeah, nice. as a fan, that's, that's my request right there. That's uh... yeah. yeah, nice one. Yeah. And, and by the way, yeah, you know, it's been a few years now, but your cover of uh, Radiohead's Creep was so, uh, yeah. so good. It was so, and it still sounds so good. A guy got in touch with me. He said, I'd like some, uh, some kind of established bands to do covers. Is there a song you'd like to cover? So we covered um, Radiohead tune and he said, can you do it in your inimitable style? So it sounds like they have covered you years later. It was a kind of ridiculous concept. So I've always loved, uh, actually it wasn't Creep, it was uh, High and Dry. Don't oh, High and Dry, me. you're right, you're right, you're right. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, Don't Leave Me Dry, I've always loved that song. I've always thought there was a lot of depth in, well, Radiohead, the songs do have a lot of depth, but with that particular song, I kind of thought it was all about, you know, sobriety and there's a lot of, and how far you push yourself. And there's a lot of great things on that. So we did a version, the version you're referring to is called all the pizzicatos and every ABC cliche going, but performing that song. Yeah. So I, it was kind of like trying to take that song and take it into a different time, get grab a time machine and, you know, uh, so it's that one of the few covers I've done actually through the years. Yeah, I'm not, I've not really covered that many songs. I'm usually, you know, writing them. So I don't know what happened to it. And it's a beautiful melody as well. Uh, so, you know, that helps. As I say, at some point, you know, it seems like a lot of artists, they'll pull out the covers album. Like that's that's kind of a tradition. Is it, Could that be on the horizon for you still? Because if we'll you want. What's that? Well, well, people dry up, don't they? They can't be bothered to write a new song. <laughs> and then uh, the record company go, you know, we need something from you. And then the Vanity Project comes over the horizon. You know, you got to be careful with the Vanity Project. I mean, I've liked, I liked Pinups when Bowie did it, and I loved uh, these foolish things. Brian Ferry did a cover version of it. But there aren't many uh, occasions where you want to, you know, you don't want to hear McCartney do covers, do you? You know, you just want to hear him do his songs, you know, so there's never heard that. Although sometimes it's kind of great for a cover to come from a, a, a song from a totally different angle. You know, I kind of like these stripped down cover versions. In fact, I was walking through the shopping mall this morning, Westfield in Shepherd's Bush, north of uh, London, west of London, and 
some other yeah somebody done a version of when doves cry and it sounded incredible i don't know in a total sort of like an r&b tradition uh prince song so it that it's great if you cover something and put it in a different light yeah shine a light on it so then the obvious question if you're not going to do covers i mean uh is there another record on your mind you've done a sequel to lexicon of love is there a trilogy could you pull that off or now do you go in a different direction I was going to say uh, it'd be great if Harry Styles covered The Look of Love or something like uh-huh. that. You know, I'm open to people covering our songs, definitely. <laughs> uh, the Lex Gonna Love 2 is an album I made about four or five years ago, yeah. Uh, I mean, at the time I said, you know, I was quite used to kind of watching uh, Breaking Bad, you know, 36 episodes on Netflix or something. The idea of not just being one episode, but kind of how a story unfolds. And I was thinking... I started thinking, what would it be like if Ziggy Stardust had a sort of uh, follow-up? You know, it never, it'll never happen. Um, or, you know, if you took, uh, you know, if you went to season two with certain records, it would be, it would be fascinating. So that's what set me off with the Lexington Up Love too. Yeah, is that it's quite an orchestrated album. Maybe um, I don't know if I'd call it Lex Three, but I'd definitely um, be interested in write uh, in in. in quite emotional songs, yeah, in the context of kind of dramatic orchestration and stuff, yeah. Yeah, that, that. It, with, with, with those record, with that record, everything was big, you know, every, the drums didn't want to sound like that, they wanted to sound like that, you know, it was all about scale. So I think it would be fun to make a record like that, but it's not really what present day tastes are about, really. But so maybe it's a good time to do it, yeah. See, here we are all the way back to that. You go against go present day. Yeah. Larger than life, exaggerated, uh, musically. Yeah, yeah, that would work for me. That's interesting. You know, we've referenced uh, Ziggy Stardust twice yeah, no, in I, this one. I, uh, I, and we, I, street, the picture, I just I walked down Regent Street as well this morning. Oh, wow. uh, when I that photograph. That's a picture. the painting, isn't it, of a photograph? Yeah. yeah. Let's say we didn't get the sequel to that, but we got like the whole story of Major Tom for the most part. So, yeah, yeah. I always like the way Bowie kept sort of jumping back to his characters. And in a way, uh, Thomas Jerome Newton was Ziggy Stardust, you know, uh, the man who fell to earth character that seemed to write songs about in later life, uh, you know, seemed to kind of tie in with all of that. Yeah, yeah. all the Nothing way to the Black Star. Nothing, yeah, with Black Star, beautiful. That's a great way to tie that character up. I love it. I love it when artists do that. I mean, that's, you know, fan dream right there when you get kind of that through line. Uh, yeah. So the, the, the cast of characters is there and they, with any, anybody and they kind of drift in and out. Yeah. I think that's true of life too. It's like your friends, you run into friends you've not seen for years and you, you know, it's, it's great. Instantly you kind of, you know, just hanging out. Uh, whatever you do next, I'm going to be listening. I'm going to be watching. Um, well, thanks. Well, that's yeah. kind of you to say that. Now, uh, Martin, uh, it's it's such an honor to talk to you too. Congratulations, congratulations on forty years of being a trendsetter uh, and everything that you've done. I cannot believe you're talking to me. Forty years, <laughs> it's like starting over. Yeah, but yeah, thank you very much. Thank you, and uh, and I hope you have fun out on the tour. We'll be seeing you yeah. on the state side. Yeah, thank you very much. My thanks, Martin Fry, ABC 40th anniversary of the Lexicon of Love and touring throughout this year as well. Big thanks to Martin. Thanks to you as well for checking out the episode and the series. Again, please do hit that subscribe button. Three new interviews every week, new and every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. 
at iTunes and Apple Podcast, at Spotify, Podchaser, NPR, YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you get your podcasts from. Subscribe to Kyle Meredith with. Then after that, head over to WFPK.org. That's where I do a show Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern. It's an hour full of song premieres, music news, anniversary spins, bonus interviews, Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern at wfpk.org. Consequence has your music and film news. You can also find me on the social media spots, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all three of them, at Kyle Meredith. Do hope you like and follow along. That does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. Yeah, so I, I saw a couple of shows, a Thin White Duke tour, I saw a Station to Station tour. It was incredible. But guys who are slightly older than me talk about the time they saw Ziggy Stardust and all this stuff. You know, it's kind of nuts. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. <laughs> That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm -mm -mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Comfortable. 